time Tuesday as they were awakening from the previous night's festivities. Did you do it? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? A New Year's resolution. How many of you made a New Year's resolution? I had like eight people raise their hand first service. I don't believe it. I really don't. And we don't have very many hands going up here. Come on. New Year's resolutions. Why do we do that? There's just something about a new year that makes us look back on last year and decide that there's something we want to do different. And I want to tell you, I made a New Year's resolution. I usually do not. And I didn't announce it to anyone, not even my wife, until first service today. I decided, due to the frustration of living in the Midwest, how difficult it is to consistently be able to exercise outside. A week ago Friday, I jumped on my bike in Decatur and tried to ride home to Chestnut, the 27-mile through the country move. It was only 32 degrees outside. Got home, couldn't feel fingers or toes. And I decided that I am going to, for the first time, join a fitness class at the YMCA. Les Mills Body Pump starts in a couple weeks, and I'm going to go three days a week for as long as this resolution lasts. I have no idea how long that'll be, but I want to get my body in tip-top shape. Somebody like maybe a Wes Graves, somebody like a Ernie Harvey, somebody like that is what I want to look like, if at all possible. What, what are the, the, the top 10 New Year's resolutions? I found this on the internet this week. These lists seem to be pretty similar year after year. Resolution number one, save more money. Resolution number two, get out of debt. Resolution number three, get fit, lose weight. Number four, change your job, change your career. Number five, quit smoking. Number six, give up alcohol. Number seven, spend less time working. Number eight, spend more time with family and friends. Number nine, I don't get, give up chocolate. Why would anyone want to give up chocolate? I don't get that. It's good for you, isn't it? Number 10, move to a different house. It's funny when the new year comes, the opportunity to look back and to look ahead. And that's what I want to do this morning real quickly. Some of you are panicking. You're looking at your watch. Don't be afraid. This is not going to be a long message. But I do want to look back to 2012, look ahead to 2013, and and figure out where we go from here. 2012 was a great year in the history of First Christian Church in many ways. And we made the decision on this Sunday last year, we announced it, that instead of long sermon series, 10-week series, 12-week series, 13-week sermon series, we've done that in the past. We decided that in 2012, each month was going to bring a different look at someone or some issue facing Christ followers today. So in January, we looked at the life of Joseph. And I don't know if you remember this or not, a real highlight for me was the last Sunday of that series. We had a cross up here, and it was all about forgiveness and how Joseph chose to forgive. And we invited you, if you were struggling with forgiveness, maybe you needed to ask forgiveness from someone, maybe you needed to forgive someone, that you would write out just a confession of forgiveness and come and nail it to the cross. And like 150 people came forward during the service and said, I want to make a move in the right direction when it comes to forgiveness. February brought a study of Moses. And how many of you remember what happened the first Sunday of February as we looked at Moses? Do you remember? We showed up for church at about 7 o'clock, and it was 49 degrees in the sanctuary. The heat wasn't working for whatever reason. So we had church in the Family Life Center. How many of you were in there that day when we crammed into the Family Life Center? Was that fun? We're going to do that every year. We're going to call it Retro Sunday. It's not going to be the first Sunday of February, but it was a good time. March brought a study of Joshua. April brought a study of Jesus. 
We looked at the difference Jesus makes, and a real highlight for me in the month of April was we were able to welcome Bob Russell, maybe the most famous Christian church preacher in the last 50 years, to our stage. He preached on Sunday morning, he taught during a combined Bible school hour, and and I was absolutely in awe of being able to host Bob Russell on that morning. Now, one little funny tidbit to that is after first service, one of my favorite little old ladies in the church came up to me and, and said, Greg, he's okay, but he's no Greg Taylor. And I said, please do not utter that to anybody else. She said, oh, don't worry. I just went and told Bob Russell that. And she did. So he probably won't be coming back anytime soon. May and June brought a study of the women of the faith, many key women of the faith. And one of the real weaknesses from the preaching and teaching ministry, the last six years at least, from my perspective, just from a reflection standpoint, is we haven't spent enough time looking at key women of the faith. And the Bible is chocked full of women who were used by God to do great things in his name. And so we studied Mary, the mother of Jesus, and we looked at Ruth, and we looked at um, Hannah, and we looked at Lydia and Priscilla. And then my highlight from that series was when I dressed up like a 5th century eunuch, 5th century B.C. eunuch, and, and acted out for you the impact that Queen Esther made during her time. July brought a study of David. August brought a study of Elijah. September, we looked at several staples of First Christian Church, what some of our core beliefs are. We, we practice communion every week because we never want to forget about the difference that Jesus makes. We believe that you're saved only by the grace of God. You can't earn your salvation. It's a free gift from God. Uh, we believe in every member ministry. If you're a Christian, you're called to be involved in ministry. We believe that our authority comes only from the Word of God. That was September. October brought our designer sex series, and that was uncomfortable for some of us. Let's just be honest. Got a couple notes saying, I'm not sure that's appropriate on Sunday morning. My response to that would be, we probably shouldn't have waited as long as we have to discuss some of these really important issues involving morality and how as Christ followers we are called to live. November, we had several standalone sermons. Uh, On the 11th, Veterans Day, we looked at what the church can learn from veterans, and we honored World War II veterans that are still with us. The week after, After that, we called it Thankful for the Day Sunday, and we had a big, ugly, barren tree on stage, and we remembered FCC Timothy Wade Lowry, who passed away much too soon last year, and we remembered his tag phrase, Thankful for the Day, and we invited you to write what you were thankful for, and to come hang something that you're thankful for on our tree of Thanksgiving, and over 300 people came forward during worship and and hung a statement of Thanksgiving on the tree, and then Christmas, of course, last month, five weeks looking at Christmas, and my highlight for the month was, of course, last week, Ernie being able to share during our one service Sunday about the hope of Christmas. Well, what, what's next? What's 2013 going to bring? 2013 is going to be different. We're not going to have 12 different series throughout the year. In fact, we're just going to have one theme through the entire year. And maybe you're a visitor today. Maybe you're here every week. Maybe you used to go to church here and you're thinking, maybe I need to get back into church. Maybe you just came to say goodbye to Ernie. I want to invite you to journey with us in 2013 on this very simple theme, four words, it's all about Jesus. All year. We're going to look at Jesus. We're going to be in the Gospels. We're going to be in the New Testament. We're going to look at some of the prophecy that the Old Testament prophets shared about Jesus as God's people waited and hoped and longed for the Messiah to come. And I want to just share with you real quickly where we're going to be. 
The, the first two months of the year, we're going to look at, through the Gospel of John, the different I am statements that Jesus shared. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the vine, you are the branches. And starting next week, we're going to dive in and we're going to try to figure out, why did Jesus say, I am the bread of life? What was he trying to communicate? Why did Jesus say, I am the light of the world? What can we learn from these incredible nuggets of truth from the Gospel of John? Following that, we're going to be um, reading a book as a congregation. If you'd like to join us, it's entitled, Not a Fan. And, and we're going to try to figure out, are we called to be fans of Jesus Christ? Or are we called to be followers of Jesus Christ? And I think our high school students, where's Ken Klein at? I think our high school students went through that study, had two thumbs up. We're going to invite you to buy the book at cost. We're not going to make any money on it. And we're going to try to read through the book as a congregation and try to figure out what I think we already know. We're not called to simply be fans. We're called to be followers of Jesus Christ. In late spring and early summer, we're going to look at the women Jesus encountered and impacted. And when you think of the women that Jesus encountered, maybe you think of his mother and the wedding feast at Cana, or maybe you think of the woman at the well in John chapter 4, or maybe you think of Mary Magdalene, or maybe you think of Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus. We're going to be studying several women and trying to figure out what can we learn from these women? What did they learn from their encounter with Jesus? How can we be better Christ followers? Late summer and early fall, we're, we're going to look at the parables of Jesus. I love stories. You love stories. Think of Ernie's sermon last week. You may remember some of what he had to share. All of you are going to remember the story of the remote control car, right? You you love a story. And Jesus was just like Ernie in that way. He loved to tell stories. Is that sacrilegious? I don't know that I should have really said that quite like that. Um, Let's start over. Jesus loved to tell stories. And we're going to study the parables of Jesus. And some of the parables you'll recognize right away. You'll, you'll think, I, I've heard that parable many times. Two of the parables that we've studied, my guess is you will not remember. It will not have connected with you, but there are rich truths in all eight parables that we're going to study. And we're going to end 2013 looking at truth about Jesus shared by other New Testament authors. What did the Apostle Paul have to say about Jesus? What about Peter? What about John? What about James? What about the author of Hebrews? 2013 is going to be a great year. It's all about Jesus. 2013 is also going to be a year of transition. I was reflecting back to August of 1987. I was 18 years old when I arrived on the campus of Lincoln Christian College on a very hot late summer day. And as I moved into Titus Hall and began to meet the guys that I would live with for the next year, there seemed to be a certain amount of noise coming from another floor. And there was a young kid from Indiana by the name of Ernie who um, he just, he was making himself known in a variety of ways. And there's two stories I could tell, but it's Sunday morning and we're in the sanctuary, so I better not share those two stories. But I will just say this, if you would have told me on that warm summer day that Ernie and I would grow to become really great friends in ministry and just great friends in life, if you were to tell me that he was going to have a 21-year ministry in Clinton, Illinois, that would literally change this community and this church in so many ways, I I wouldn't have believed it. Um, He has come so far. 
God has used him in so many ways. And tonight's going to be a lot of fun as we celebrate the life and the impact of Ernie and April and the whole family and the difference that they've been able to make. Ernie's legacy is not going to disappear anytime soon. But with this leaving, with this transition that's taking place, there are gaps that that are are going to be noticed probably beginning next week. One of the things that I think you're going to figure out as just congregational members at large is that there's a lot that he did that you you didn't realize. You didn't know about. I didn't know Ernie did that. I didn't realize he was in charge of that. So during this five-week transition time, Ernie and I have spent a lot of time together talking about what are some of the needs that that are going to begin on January 7. What are some of the things that, that are going to have to take place where volunteers are going to need to step up? And one of the things that we've learned in these five weeks as we've, talked to, uh, as we've talked to a variety of volunteers is that there's a, there's a few people doing a lot of things, but there's a whole bunch of people that really aren't doing much in these ministry areas. So as we conclude this morning the, the sermon part of our service, I want to just share with you seven needs that, that are in front of us. And I'll just tell you, there, there is somebody here that can help fill every single one of these needs. God's gifted us to be involved in ministry. God's gifted us to make a difference in his name. And and some of the more pressing needs are we need people that will teach families at first on Wednesday evenings, grade school teachers. We have a great staff. They they plan everything. They've got the whole spring semester planned out. But starting on January 30, I need a man or a woman or a couple men, a couple women that will step up and say, I will teach the 15-minute lesson. I'm here. Give it to me. I will practice. I'll be ready to go. Second Service Junior Church sometimes has as many as 60 people that are there. And we have a great staff. Diane Rogers does an awesome job. She has a great team that that helps her. And she's going to continue to to spearhead that effort. But we need people, and let me just say this, especially men that are willing to step up. And maybe you'll never teach a lesson. We, We don't need you to teach a lesson in Junior Church. But we need crowd control. We need people that can be, pardon my expression, the big bad wolf from time to time. So um, I would love to see some of the men in second service step up and say, yes, once a month, I'll plug in. I'll help in junior church. We need people that are going to help lead VBS. Clinton First Christian Church has one of the best vacation Bible schools in all of central Illinois. Almost nobody is doing daytime VBSs anymore. And I guarantee you 250 to 300 kids are not coming to the VBSs that are meeting in the mornings. And that's a program that will continue. But some of you are going to need to step up. And you're going to say, yes, I'm here. I I will serve. We need people that will serve as junior high coaches and leaders for our Sunday evening reveal service. I think reveal is one of the best things we do. It's one of the best new ministries that First Christian Church has launched in the last decade. But we need people that will step up and specifically work with our junior high students. Ernie said we always need more workers for the nursery. And that's just an incredible ministry to allow mom and dad to relax and come and worship and realize that their child is being cared for. Ernie's done a great job the last couple of years starting a new summer program entitled Basic Training. And we're going to need teachers and leaders that can assist and even lead with that. And then there's a, a grade school weekend in Bloomington that we've been a part of the last four years called Superstar. We'd like to continue to be able to offer that to our fourth and fifth grade students, and we're going to need people to step up. So what do I want you to do with this? Well, if you really feel led, if you feel like the Lord maybe is talking to you today through uh, the needs that are being presented, I simply want you to take an attendance card, and I want you to pick one or two of these needs and write your name, and I want you to give me the card, or I want you to turn the card in at the Welcome Center or slide it under the door at the office. Um, 
2013 will definitely be a year of transition. We are really excited about the great things that the Lord is going to do in Fort Wayne, Indiana through Ernie and April Harvey. But I am every bit as excited about what's going to happen right here in Clinton, Illinois this year because I know in my heart many of you are going to step up and say, here I am, Lord, use me. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day and thank you for um, just an opportunity to look back on 2012 and an opportunity to look ahead. And I'm so excited about this next year. And I just pray that as we spend an entire 12 months simply studying Jesus, the words that he said, the stories that he told, the people that he encountered, the impact that he had, that it won't just be an educational endeavor. It won't just be for near, mere intellectual knowledge. But that heart change will take place. That life change will take place. It really is all about Jesus. We love you and we thank you for Jesus, your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We offer an invitation this morning. If Jesus is not the Lord of your life or if you're in need of prayer, we